0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode six of the Amateur Footy Hour. I am Chris, alongside my co-host Smiley Riley, who uh, I've been told that's his new nickname, so we're going to coast with that one. Uh, so on today's podcast, very exciting. This is a big one for me, guesty. I'm a big fan of the AFL draft. I know uh, you got a couple of issues with the way it's currently run over the two days in the live trading. Me personally, I'm a big fan of it, so we're going to we're going to dive into that one pretty deeply. Um, we have also going to be talking about the AFL 9s, which unfortunately didn't, didn't go to plan this week for uh, STL, but we've managed to squeeze into the finals and we're going to make a run for the Premiership, I'm, I'm quietly confident with. But just to start with, how's your, how's your week been? It's been a week since we did our last episode, so what have you been up to?
1: It's been good because I finished uni last Friday although I have an intensive next week but for the moment I'm still thinking I've done uni for the year so three years done one to go but I'm sure that'll change next Monday when I front up for my intensive at 10 o'clock but um yeah no not too bad I mean obviously Tuesday night was disappointing to put it one way uh with our nine side going down yeah, but um you know what a week's a long time in football <laughs> trying to not bring out too many cliches so we'll uh we, hit, we won't hit the training track because you don't do that for a social sport, but we'll see how we go next Tuesday when, and hope for the best.
0: All right, so we'll start with the AFL 9s. We're heading into the, the match undefeated. We're sitting on top of our pool. We have three wins and a draw. What happens? Where does it all go wrong? Our energy levels. Energy levels. Energy levels, yeah. I walked few, out there. A few key outs.
1: A few key outs, yeah, maybe. I think you're talking about yourself, but we probably did have a couple more. But yeah, I think I walked out there and I was just ready to fall down on the ground and collapse. So I think we started quite well, actually. We um, we got two super goals and um, another goal in there as well. So we probably had three of the first four or five goals of the game. And then it, it started to fall away a bit. Um, we're still only 15 points behind at halftime. Got the first goal back. So we got it back to eight points, I think. And then um, it was like we just literally couldn't score. I know I missed a couple. And... In the end, our opponents ran away with a pretty comprehensive victory.
0: So we have had a lot of feedback, a lot of feedback on our podcast about uh, people just noticing the the winning record when Chris Forster's in the side as opposed to when he's not playing. I think it's three wins, zero losses when I am playing and zero wins, one draw, one loss when I don't play. Do you think there's any correlation between um, me playing and getting... winning constantly and that the side seems to just dip a little bit when there's not that powerful presence sitting on the bench?
1: Uh, it, it's something you look at, but um, you know I look at our, our round one game where we won by 120 points or something. Um, I know you're very important to the side, but I, I just don't know, maybe if you missed that game we would have ended up having a 21 goal turnaround and, and losing. I just don't think that would have happened. But we don't know. We don't know for certain that we—that's not what happened. That—that's true. But I would say it with ninety-nine point nine 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 percent certainty. But the big question is then: Are, are you going to be back for next Tuesday?
0: No, unfortunately. I oh, won't. That's so we're the, done. That's the short answer for for, done. Our, for our avid. Listeners, um, there was a, a, a dancing-related mishap on <laughs> the, <weird> one way. <laughs> A, a dancing-related mishap on Saturday night, um, where floor at uh, I, I won't name the location the we were at. The, yes, the venue. That's I won't name the venue we were at. But uh, you floor, know, was, floor was slippery. I took a spill, um, hurt my knee, and unfortunately, uh, I, I'm out for the rest of the AFL 9 season. I know people can't see it, but it's nice and. Puffy and bruised and swollen. It is. It, here. Is, it's, it's, it is black. It's and looking blue. really good. So, well,
1: you know, the funny thing is, you say it was slippery. You actually caused it to be slippery because you dropped your drink about five minutes earlier.
0: Yeah, well, it doesn't really matter how the floor came to be slippery. The point is, it was slippery because of I fell. What you did, yes, you did hit fall. My leg. It's now all puffy, S- swollen, yeah. not in a good shape. But you know. As, as the saying is the greats always rally and I think that's what our team's going to do we're going to find some replacements um, Bicey came in this week got a, got a run under his belt um, you know he kicked 13 goals and a half once in AFL nines? two well, years ago I kicked three goals this year so we're both equally 13
1: goals and a half that's yeah, not bad
0: that's nearly a goal a minute nearly. a goal every 30 seconds I was going to ask you though like, where's where's the sharing where's, the, where's you know, dishing it off making sure everyone gets a fair go that's what a fair go, fair go. That's what we're fair all about. Go. Just getting a fair go. Uh, I don't know,
1: but we'll, we'll see. I think we've got a really tough match-up. I think we're going up against a side that's undefeated, maybe. So, yeah, it, hopefully it all goes well. But I, I fear, especially with you out, there might be some sad news in a week's po- in a week's time. The next I'm quietly broadcast. confident. Quietly confident. I'm quietly confident. Quietly confident heading into it. You and you and Alex been talking here in the office about the changes that you're going to make. I think Alex not to give too many secrets away, but is keen to start himself
0: up forward. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Uh, we need to we need to switch something up, obviously. We can't go up, back out there with the tactics that we had uh, this past week. Obviously, I didn't didn't go to plan, so we need to switch a few things up, and he's a, a very mercurial captain. He'll come up with a few different ideas, and he's not afraid to take risks. He's an innovator, and it starts at AFL 9s. <laughs> <laughs> right, so that's, that's one way of Yeah, it. well... <laughs> <laughs> You got to start somewhere. <laughs> you do. So obviously not the result we're after, but the Joel Newman Award.
1: Well, we're in it to win it as well. You know, you've got to be in the finals. Um, there's no wild card entry, so top four. So we're there. But yes, so we didn't do a podcast last week. So we actually, I'm again gonna bridge the two weeks together into into one award. And yeah, um, after our performance on Tuesday, I decided that it would have no bearing whatsoever. On, uh, on who would take home the Joel Newman Award because as good as some people may have been, you know, their best was probably maybe a 6.5, a half or 7 out of 10. And uh, honestly, frankly, that just... At this semi, semi-amateur level, it just doesn't cut
0: it. No, you don't encourage mediocrity.
1: <laughs> Sound like CA, Marcus <laughs> Harris. <laughs> All right, so last week we actually didn't talk about how we went. Uh, we had a solid win. Uh, I think it was against Awaiting Confirmation. Um, so we started off strong and then, you know rode the bumps a little bit away to quite a comfortable win um and the joel newman award actually goes to kath newman so well done kath she played fullback for the entire game um i think it was her first game for the season and was like the rock of gibraltar just could not get it past her and some of her kick-ins were fantastic i think we had one play um we all led to the side she went down the middle found someone hand pass kick mark kick, goal. Coast to coast. Coast to coast and 10 seconds flat. I mean, Lockie O probably plays a hand in that, but Kath just did not make an error and set us all the way up to what was a pretty good win. And she she was a key out again this week. She didn't play. So, you know, you go from best on ground to not playing.
0: It does make things tough. Yeah, so look at at the silver lining. So we have got plenty of players to come back in and and strengthen this side. Is Max
1: Newman coming back in? That's uh, a big in. We're not uh, sure. I don't, I
0: don't think so. It'd um, be handy. It'd be handy in. Uh, but yeah, I don't think so. But don't quote me on that because I've been known to get these things wrong before. I'm. I'm sure our listeners won't really. So you're not. You're Damn. not handing out one for this week because it's no, the result. No. That, that's probably fair. Yeah. All right. So that's
1: probably that's. that's There's the some news. incentive for next week. You yeah. get a Joel Newman award.
0: All right. So that's. I agree with that. All right. <laughs> So we got through So we got through that pretty quickly that's what eight minutes we've been going No, oh, but we, to we had to nines. we still had
1: to get through it we just can't put our heads down and avoid it. I mean it's still shameful, but you know it's life sun comes up tomorrow we learn
0: from it yeah and this is this is the one I'm excited for
1: this is this is the list
0: you actually want to do this is the list I wanted this, this is a horrible <laughs> segue, but I don't even care I' jumping straight into it um so as we're currently recording this, the second day of the draft is going ahead. So we're going to do a recap of the first day, which was the first 22 picks as it panned out. And look, the start of the, at the start of the night, there, were a, there was speculation over who Carlton was going to take. Um, early, the general consensus was it was going to be Sam Walsh. But there was a couple of late whispers saying that Jack Lacocious might be the one they were going to take. It ended up going uh, how most people thought it would go. Uh, Carlton ended up taking Sam Walsh with pick one. And then the top ten went relatively as people would expect. Likotius went uh, to number two. (coughs) Sorry. His uh, South Australian teammate, Isaac Rankin, went number three. Both, both off to the Suns. Both to the Suns. I think that's quite clever by the Suns. You know, getting two South Australians and pairing them together, you can sort of take away that go-home factor if you... you Especially if they're good
1: mates, which yeah. I, I'm led to believe cool. they are.
0: But that was one of the things we spoke about, was either going with both the King brothers, the King twins, or going with the two South Australians, and, and they've done that, which I think is, is probably a smart thing, looking long-term, not just thinking, can we get someone in for two seasons, developing them, and then they go back home. If you can get two people from the same... Uh, Same state that are good friends that know each other, put them together and develop them at the same time. It probably gives you a better chance of getting them to hang on. Now, St Kilda at pick four went with Max King, who's had a couple of injury issues, but he's been training with the club during the off-season. So they know him quite well and obviously pretty confident with their ability to get him back up and running. Uh, Connor Rossi went to Port Adelaide, which that was three South Australians picked up in the top five, which was a massive effort. Uh, Then Gold Coast, with pick six, picked Ben King, twin brother of Max. So, the King brothers went at four and six, which is a good result for the King family. Obviously, having uh, two players picked up in the top ten is exciting times uh, for the family. Obviously, uh, you know, now the parents have to decide who they're going to (laughs) support. They've got Gold Coast and they've got... St Kilda, which is exciting for us because that's yes. the game that's coming here. So we've got the King brothers, hopefully they'll both be out there facing off against one another.
1: Get the PR people onto that. That's where we market set it up.
0: Max and Ben King going head to head in Townsville. On Doesn't River get any w- bigger than on, that. On River Way Oval. Does not get
1: bigger than that. Could they line up on each other? They could.
0: Yeah, so you've got key defender and you've got key forward. Uh,
1: I've heard I've heard Max is actually a lifelong Saints fan. Yeah, so, so it's exciting
0: for him to go and play for your, your boyhood club, and it, Ben can it, play key forward or key defender. So uh, he, hopefully Max King lines up in the forward line, and, and Ben can go down back, and they can get a bit of a uh, bit of a tussle going there. Does Max get twelve jersey number twelve at St Kilda? It's a big one to hand out.
1: It is. It's a big one. But they they do. Need a hero, but he's a
0: big boy. He's over two hundred centimeters, so you know. Wow,
1: that is big. Yeah, but he, and he doesn't run.
0: Quite sizeable. No, he just just plays forward. I imagine you could pinch it in the ruck, but he's he's. So selected. so he's not like a rebot where
1: rebot will just run up and down all day. He's a no, he's
0: he's been selected as a as a key forward. That's what St Kilda is going to use him as. So, yeah, the the, the biggest game of the year, uh, June 15 here in Townsville, oh, well. outside of Collingwood, playing Sydney. But still, yeah, still. The only thing that can make that game bigger is if it was in Townsville. If it was in Townsville, <laughs> I'd agree with that. Under the lights. Those lights <laughs> right Under the bright lights of Townsville. So that's the first six. And then the Western Bulldogs picked up Bailey Smith.
1: I like who, this one. I read an article about him a couple of weeks ago. He is disciplined. He is
0: crazy disciplined. Bailey Smith was the one. We were talking about this earlier. If I had picked number one, if I was Carlton, Bailey Smith is the player I would have chosen. So he's got through to seven. I think that's a really good pickup for the Bulldogs. Um... Let me me just find this article. But he's just he's incredibly devoted.
1: Oh, absolutely. here we go, here we go. So he's played a school game. This is last year, so not this year, this is the year before they've lost. It's in the big Melbourne Big Melbourne, um what do they call it, PSA, something like that. Anyway, it's after five PM in the wintertime and he's running eight extra
0: two hundreds.
1: It, it is just ridiculous what this kid but that, does.
0: He, he wanted to be a footballer from a very young age, and he's one of those kids that just didn't stop. He did everything he had to do and just kept pushing and pushing, and he, he's managed to do it, and that's why he's so he, highly regarded. He,
1: he's only, he only eats between, there it is, between 2 and 9 p.m. That is, that is crazy. Not even AFL players that I know do that. I mean, obviously, they, they've got it down a little bit, but they're not that specific that they only eat for 7 and look at this, in av- so he runs every morning and does his skills and then goes to the afternoon. Look at this, Listen to this. So in, a, in an average morning session, it has three 800s, ten 400s, and ten 200s. That's nearly what? Eight, eight kilometres of running. Oh. And that would, be, that would be quick too. That's pretty standard though, isn't it? That's,
0: I do something similar and, when I wake up. <laughs> I wake up, have a shower, eat eight bowls of cereal. You wouldn't be worried a tad of- that he could burn out <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, well, if he's been doing it for so long and his body's sort of adjusted to it, I mean, he hasn't had any. But uh, it only it
1: only gets bigger as well now. Now that he, he goes to a club, I mean, I.
0: But see, I don't. I think it's a bit different because now that he's at the club, they'll have a training regime for him, and they'll yeah. tell him this is what we want you to do, as opposed to just go out and running eight kilometres every morning. Yeah. So, look, I reckon that's a very good pickup. Oh, the absolutely, yeah. And then the first academy bid was lodged. Uh, Adelaide made a bid. For Thomas in uh, North Melbourne matched it so first Tasmanian boy picked up in the draft
1: I heard the Tassie 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 as a state had a good night in the draft yeah
0: they had a, they had a couple picked up so he was taken at pick number 8 the following pick pick number 9 Adelaide Crows had Chase Jones who was also from Tasmania so they had 2 inside the top 10 back to back picks and then it's the it's the big one it's the, the one we're all talking about now I remember I right. remember Pick number ten, Sydney uh, Swans.
1: I'm just gonna sit here and not talk for yeah, the next fifteen look,
0: minutes. I, last night we were talking about this, and I was trying to explain to you.
1: Well, you've done it again this. I've done morning. it again. Now and, look, and I know
0: I'm very, very biased, and I'm not going to hide that. I'm a avid Sydney Swans fan, but I feel like I'm pretty fair. I, I was, I wasn't overly impressed with their uh, activity during the draft, during the trade period, and I was quite vocal scathing. about that. I'm still upset they got rid of Hanbury. I think they've redeemed themselves with this trade. So this is essentially how it worked. Sydney went into the trade with picks 26, 33, 38, 39, 40, 84. So their earliest pick was pick 26. They ended up getting Blakey at pick 10 and still got pick 24. So they had pick 24, which is earlier than their original pick, and they kept Blakey. Now, a lot of people are wondering how this works. So there's a point system allocated to each draft pick, all right? So if Sydney, ha- if a bid for Blakey had have come before Pid, uh, pick 6, they would have needed pick 26 to have enough points. Once pick six went past and no one had bid on Blakey, they traded their second round pick. They traded pick 26 to West Coast. Because they don't need it anymore. Because they didn't need it, because they had enough points with the following picks. Then a bid came for Blakey at pick 10. So Sydney used their following picks, 33, 38, 39, they were pushed back one. So it was 34, 40 and 41, I think, were the picks they used to... Blakey in. As soon as that draft had occurred, uh, drafted occurred, they traded with West Coast again and brought pick 24 back in. So they ended up with Blakey, who was pick 10, and a second-round pick, which is really good business. Obviously, the, the end of their draft picks have tailed out, so that their last three picks are now 80, 95, and 98. So they didn't they didn't end up with a, a big bunch of picks in the second and third round like they had originally, but they managed to get a first-round pick. And a sec, and keep a second round pick, which was very, very handy business. And Collingwood, your boys, did something very similar with pick thirteen. Um, they were they they GWS bid on Isaac Canol with pick thirteen, and Collingwood used their later picks to match it. So even though Collingwood didn't have a first round pick initially, because they, they don't
1: even have a second round pick. Well, they, their, their earliest pick is pick forty one because they
0: gave they gave that up to get obviously get Beams back to the club. So they still managed to get a first-round pick by matching it with the later picks. Obviously, again, those picks, their later picks now get pushed back further and further in the draft. But you bring someone in of that calibre, and all of a sudden, it's it's not a bad result for Colum. Picking up Dane Beams and still getting pick number 13 in the draft. Not well, a bad well, result. Actually, if you
1: look at it, it's two picks inside the top 30, because as we just discussed before they or well, we saw before the podcast started, they picked up Will Kelly with twenty nine. Yeah. And their earliest pick was forty one. So they've actually got two players inside the top thirty without using at least the first two rounds of picks, which is pretty pretty lucky to an extent. Will Kelly's a father's son, but you know, I also have qualms a bit about the whole system. But as a pies man with my pies cap on at the moment it's it's not too bad at all and if you, the way you look at trades you know with Beams giving up a first rounder, we've got Beams and Quainer pretty much for giving up you know a
0: first rounder so hopefully the club can can uh, make the most of it and if the uh, the other big talking point about the draft was the trade between Carlton and Adelaide oh this, this is massive it is has it has huge consequences so obviously what's happening so for those that don't uh, don't know what happened. Carlton traded their future first round pick, which at this stage could be anything from pick one to five, we suspect, if Carlton's going to be down the bottom end of the table. That's what logic would say. For Adelaide's first round pick next year, which if they finish mid-table, could be anywhere between 10 and 12, most people are thinking. And Adelaide's pick 19 in this year's draft. So, obviously, what's happened is Carlton has identified Liam Stocker, who they've taken with pick 19, and said, we want to get him to the club. They've obviously seen something about him that they liked, and they figured if they could get him to the club and get a future first-round pick next year, that is potentially worth pick one, two, or three. So, they obviously really rate Liam Stocker quite highly. It's
1: not the worst idea when you put it out like that. Well,
0: the other thing is, it's... When you're trading future picks, you've also got you've also got your destiny in your own hands. So if Carlton goes out and plays really, really well, all of a sudden that first round pick that they've traded away, the currency devalues. So if they can go out there and perform, obviously they think they're on the improve. They get they they get dockety back. That's a massive in for them. They've now got pick one and pick nineteen. So they've got two first rounders to come into that side. Sam Welsh will play. Uh, Sam Walsh will play round one. Uh, Liam Stocker, I'm not, I don't know a lot about Liam Stocker, but obviously they know enough about him to think they must rate him high. And yeah, certainly. they've got him in their plans. So, in, considering Adelaide finished outside the eight this year, uh, they lost Mitch McGovern, so there's always a possibility Adelaide might it, drop a little bit lower. They might go a bit higher. You're not sure what Adelaide's going to do. So, mind you, on they did get a, a they did get Chase Jones at nine, so they've got a, a little bit
1: of they've got some quality coming in.
0: Yeah, that's, that's true. So a lot of people have been knocking the blues for for making this trade. And you can look at it on paper and say oh, it hasn't worked out. But we don't know how good Liam Stock is going to be. And they obviously have identified this kid and said, we want to get this kid to the club. And I, I think it's a pretty bold move. And I, I actually like it. It shows they're taking an issue. They're not just going to sit back and say, look, we want this kid, but we're not willing to, to take a risk on him. They obviously think, yep... Yeah, He's got something to add to our club. We want to get him to the team and we'll do what we need to to get him. They still keep a first round pick next year anyway. So it's not as though they're giving away everything. They might give away an early pick, but they still get one back from Adelaide. And do they, have, do they have, get a future first rounder for Bryce Gibbs? I can't remember how that
1: worked out. Maybe they took it this year. The Gibbs or they trade? Tra- they tra- might have untraded it. I don't know. You know it gets hard to they've keep track of where these picks go. They've been pretty active... With Adelaide, I think they've had at least three trades now in the last two years. Obviously Gibbs last year, McGovern
0: earlier this year, and, and now on draft night. It's in, yeah, and one. they've also obviously with Stephen Silvani's connection, they have they have a bit of involvement with the Giants. They've they've taken a handful of Giants players over the past couple of seasons, well as well, and got them into the system. But look, I, personally, I like I like it. I think it's bold. I think it shows initiative, and it, it's good to see Carlton making these sort of moves. I think they they need to do it. They're obviously one of the... They're they're a proud club. They've been around in the AFL. Um, They've got proud supporters too. I I sent a photo through of some
1: screenshots of messages last night to a Carlton mate, and he said, um, the greatest trade ever when Carlton finish above Adelaide next year. So they're certainly optimistic as well. So... Yeah, look, I I like it. I'm a fan of the trade. uh, The one thing I do really worry about it is a pressure that's gonna come on on young Liam if things don't go fantastic next year and Adelaide end up getting pick one or pick two, you know, he's gonna have a lot to live up to if if that's the case. So it is, but it, it, he's not the one that put the trade forward. It's not, but people love it
0: love an easy target. I oh, suppose it's the, the Richard Tambling Buddy Franklin thing all over again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's it's not his decision to be in put in that situation but as fate has had it he's in it. So I just hope for his sake it it goes well because if it doesn't then you know you might end up in a situation where it's like Richard Tambling and never able to live down the infamy of that.
0: And the other the other winner I think out of the the draft period is Richmond picked up Riley Collier Dawkins. I'm not sure how much you know um about some of the players coming through he got picked up at pick 20 i think this could be another jack higgins slipping through to richmond last year riley collier dawkins there was a lot of talk that he might go uh, a bit higher i think it was gws with pick 11 was linked with him um so obviously he's managed to go in conversations for for you know top 10 top 12 pick he's managed to fall through to richmond at pick 20 we saw what jack higgins did last year he was um or pick 18 or pick 19 and he got through to Richmond that late so they seem to be pretty doing pretty well with these draft picks Richmond they managed to find someone that slips through the cracks and and gets to them and the other one was Jordan Clark got to Geelong at pick 15. Well that's really important straight up because we know the makeup of Geelong's list is not very not very young so. And he's, he plays halfback he's a halfbacker who runs and uses the football quite well and that's that's really what they've lacked across their half-back line. They've got Zach Toohey who does well, it. Well, their, their defence is actually pretty solid. It's just bringing the ball forward. But he's, he's a good user of the football. And outside of Zach Toohey, they don't have a lot of run and dash off that half-back line. They've got players that like to do it, but genuine leg speed, they don't have a lot of. Um, they have picked up Gary Rowan this year. Uh, but he's not... Well, he I don't say he won't. He, he probably isn't going to play half-back. No. No. Um, but yeah, Jordan clark has got good pace. He's a good user of the football. I think that's a really good pick up for the Cats as well. And if you look through, they talk about the depth of the draft this year. Super draft, I love yeah, to but call it. it. Each pick you look at and you think, well, how did this guy get through to pick 20? How did he fall to pick 18? And then you look to the picks above them and you go, well, who do you trade them for? Who do you swap out for? If he's not picked 20, who's going to be pick 20? And there's, there's a lot of good players in that list and... I think, it's, I think this is a good draft to hold early picks in, which is why I think Port Adelaide had three picks in the top 20. They had 5, 12, and 18. So I think they're in a pretty good spot. The Giants, even though they lost, um, they lost Scully, they lost Shield, they lost Lob. they still managed to enter with pick 11, pick 14, and pick 22. So they've had three picks inside the first 22, which... Obviously, not going to be able to replace a Dylan Shield and a Rory Lobb and a Tom Scully straight away, but they've put the pieces in there that they've now got some good young top talent coming through the club, and um, they've
1: got a good development system. They've walked yeah, they through do. a lot of, of good young young rookies, so they've still got that in place. So you know, hopefully, it allows them to bring these three through as well. Plus, I think they took an academy pick, pick thirty six, when the... West Coast traded for it a
0: little while ago. And they... they, One thing they've managed to do is... We've seen the Suns have been ravaged by it with the go-home factor. The Giants have been able to keep the majority of those players at the club, despite the fact they're not from New South Wales. Like, this year was probably the biggest exodus they've had. They'd lost three players. Um, But outside of that, you know, Trelaw and Adams went back to Collingwood. They lost a couple of fringe players... um, the Cam McCarthy saga when he wanted to go back to Fremantle, but that trade hasn't really panned D'Ave, out for Fremantle, yeah, so yeah. the Giants actually probably won that trade regardless. So they've been able to keep a hold of all these players that um, clubs have been chasing. Like Josh Kelly was chased aggressively hard. By he will of, be next year as well. Yeah, he was chased really hard by Victorian North. clubs and he chose to stay in Sydney. I think you'll see the same thing with Cornelio, um. Jeremy Cameron's another one that's signed as essentially a a franchise player signed a long term contract so they're able to get these players to commit to the club and I think that's a good thing so they can go out and they don't have to worry about oh if we sign this player is he going to hang around are we going to keep him for two or three years they can go to the draft and say look we need a big body midfielder or we need a key forward we need you know a, a small forward a halfback whatever it is that they need and they can go and Pick the players that suit their needs as opposed to picking players that they think they'll get more years out of.
1: It, it's, it's almost like they're an NBA side and their list is made up of assets. They always just seem to have enough assets to have a good year at the draft while still being a, a top four or a top eight side. And they don't seem to, to run out of players. I do worry about their forward line a bit. Jeremy Cameron's obviously a gun, but they don't have lob now. John Patton's coming back from what, his second or third Knee, re- knee reconstruction they, they're they bringing through Harry Himmelberg but he's probably still at least a year or two years away they don't have a lot of future first round picks locked away anymore so they, they've had a bit of time you know they probably should have made the grand final in 2016 you know should have beaten the dogs at home but they didn't so they always keep having you know these good draft picks and these good players that they can not afford to lose, but it's not the worst thing that they do lose it because then they get the assets back in return. Yeah, but they, 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 they really need to cap. List. They need to just capitalise and and win a premiership.
0: I think it's the, if you look, it's the opposite to what Geelong did. So Geelong went out and recruited keep, all these aging prolonging. players, whereas GWS seems to have look. They've got these first round picks coming through, and they managed to be able to stay at the top the last few years because. They lose a handful of players, but they still get players coming in and they're getting early picks. The last few drafts, they've, they've had picks in the first round that they've been able to use and bring players into the team that have, that have made the team better. And they've developed and nurtured all these younger kids coming through. Some have come from the academy and some haven't. So they've got some externally from Victoria or WA or South Australia and what have you. And I think that's what they've done is they've, they've ensured that they don't just go all in for one particular year. They are always thinking ahead of in four, five, six years' time by making sure they do have a strong hand going into the draft. And I think it's a, a, a very good approach that they're taking, as much as it pains me to say, as a cross town rival. Yeah, there's a
1: massive rivalry between you two. Um, but yeah, like they've only won, what is it, one final in a final series? So they've never won more, more than a final. So that. I mean, they could easily come out and win the Premiership next year, but it is a hard thing to do. So I just feel like they, they need to capitalise on how good their list is and not just win a final or win an upset final like they did in 2016. They, they need to come out and, and show for real what their, their worth is. And they've got a list capable of winning a Premiership. Yes, people have questions about Leon Cameron and his coaching style, but um, if you've got the talent there, I think sooner or later it comes through. So it's premierships aren't easy to win, as we both know. But you'd think for the Giants it's going to be sooner rather than later.
0: So, question I want to ask you: What are your thoughts on live trading? Are you a fan? Are you not a fan? What? what it's too on?
1: hard for me to keep up with, and I don't even like the points system. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why the AFL have done it. They've probably done to please certain interests. I would imagine, that make things a bit easier. But, yeah, it, it's just, even having it over two days, it just seems too hard for me to keep up with. And look, I know it allows sides like Sydney to be a bit smart and be a bit clever about how they go about things. And you've got to smile like a Cherishy cat on your face <laughs> as I say this. But, um, the mighty swans, the
0: swans.
1: Yeah, I just love the simplicity of the draft three or four years ago before, you
0: know, they added live picks in, they added points in, and yeah. I think it, uh, I like it from a perspective where if you look at Hawthorne, Hawthorne doesn't have a pick inside the top 40. When is their first pick? I think it was 46, 48 maybe, I think was their first pick. That what live trading does is if you're a Hawthorne fan, in previous years, you're just thinking, great, we, we don't have any involvement until 48, let's just skip the first part. But with live trading now, there's always the possibility that with the trading of future picks and you know, working with other clubs that you can enter the draft with pick 48, but you might be able to work your way into the draft and get a second round pick or even a first round pick, and all of a sudden you go into the draft thinking, okay, 48, let's see what we can get. But you might walk away with a first round pick or a second round pick. And I think it, it gives that to the fans, knowing that there's always the possibility that you know, you can, you can get a player that you're not expecting to get in and it adds that excitement level to it. That's how I look at it from a from a fan's perspective. Um, I've just got the live thing here. Hmm. Hawthorne's pick's dropped back to 51. That's okay. Exactly right. So if you're a Hawthorne fan and your first pick isn't till 51, you're still thinking, like yesterday, you could still go into it thinking, you know, if... If we do make a couple of trades, we could end up back in the first round or second round and get one of these quality players, particularly in a draft like this that is rumoured to be so strong. Clubs, I reckon, would be more willing to trade away future picks to get involved into the first round and second round if it meant you'd get a crack at one of these guys that is, you know, they're expected to be quality players in the future. So, from my perspective, I think live trading's. I, I like it, but I can understand where you're coming from and like the purists of the game might not be such big fans of it. But yeah, you're, you're always going to find people that agree with change and disagree with change, and there might be issues that you agree with that I disagree with as well. So you're never going to be able to please everyone. There's always going to be people that aren't happy with the current system, and then you change it and they're not happy with what it's been changed to. So it's just one of those things. You're always going to find people that like it, You're going to find people that don't like it, and we just happen to be on opposite sides of the fence on this one.
1: Which is rare, but um, maybe there's something here we might be able to find a a common ground on is future or trading of future picks. Now, this is something I actually don't mind, but I feel like it should be opened more rather than just. I think at the moment you can only trade your next year's future picks. So if we just imagine we're doing this year's trade period again, we can only trade. This year's first round, or this year's picks, and 2019's pick. We can't trade away 2020, 2021. Now, I wouldn't mind actually seeing them drop those restrictions. Which they means, do it in the NBA. Yeah, and this is where I, I base it on because it, it gives you more freedom rather than giving each club a bit of a safety net. You know, if clubs want to gamble away their future, what's to stop them doing it?
0: Well, that it does put the onus back on the clubs, in a sense. I think what the AFL will be trying to avoid... Is no, 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 no.
1: We know why they're trying to avoid, because we don't want a situation, Melbourne, uh, what, eight or nine years ago, where they went one and 21 or two and 20. That's not what we want. But at the same time, clubs are run by adult, professional adults that know what they're doing. They're getting paid a lot of money to do this. You know, they should have the resources to, to make these big cores.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that idea.
1: Um, and the other one is with the rule too. I've got to feel it, and the AFL have been a bit sketchy about this. I know they looked at bringing it in, and I think they discussed it, but it's been a bit hazy about when it was officially brought in. It was, um, you have to have two first-round picks in a four-year period. There's a, there's a rule that goes along that line. Now, okay. I know Geelong have had problems with this. And so, like, I think this year only 10 clubs were allowed to trade out their first-round pick in the live trade. It, it, it's complicated. It's there as a safety guard to stop sides completely trading away their future. So in a four-year period, you, you have to take two first-round picks in, in two years. Okay. So in, in a four-year period, 18-9 2021, 20, so you'd have mean, to...
0: So Hawthorne has to keep their next... They don't have one this year. They traded away their picks for Omira and Tom Mitchell. So would that mean that next year Hawthorne has to keep theirs? If that's, th- if I I'm reading so. it right. I think okay. so.
1: it's 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 complicated. So it's not straightforward except pretty much either for journalists who go into it deeply and club recruiters.
0: Okay. So But it what I, it does I'm not, provide I'm not across this rule. So I've just got a quick one for you. So two first round picks across four years. So is over that, a four year period. So is that So, if Gold Coast has three picks in this year's, so they have picks two, three, and six, is it two picks across those four years or is it two two years? years. Two two years years you need to have. But
1: you can trade out your pick for another pick in the first round. Okay, got you. But there has been, you know, bringing it in officially. Like, I know Colin would have traded out a couple of first round picks throughout the years. So, yeah, it's 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 when i talk about pushing years out so you can trade more future first rounders this is a safety net designed to stop clubs trading away That's, the future
0: oh no that one's that one's a tricky one because if you look if you use this for an example both sydney and collingwood heading into the draft didn't have first round picks but because they were matching bids from other teams they ended up with first round picks in the draft so if this had have been the 4th year and they, they needed to keep a first-round pick.
1: So, so I just pulled it up on the phone. It's an AFL article from 2015. It's when they brought in trading in future picks. Yeah. Now, it says clubs can trade one year in the future only. So if we were trading in the trade period this year, 2018 and 2019. Clubs must make at least two first-round selections in each four-year period. If they don't they will face restrictions from trading any further first round draft picks. Now, what I've supposed I've been circling around is the fact that the AFL hasn't brought in an official that first four year period up until this year, I believe. So someone like Geelong have been able to get away with trading out their first round picks. But if we want to extend trading, you know, extend further picks so you can trade out two years or three years, you'd almost you have to get rid of this rule. Because it's there as a safety net to stop clubs trading away their entire future.
0: Yeah. But see, uh, it makes it tricky because it, I can understand why they brought it in because it's say, for instance, you're, you go to a club, um, you're the head coach, you get in for that year, but the next three draft picks, you don't have any talent coming through because your predecessor and that panel has traded everything away. So you're essentially given a team and this is the team that you've got pretty much for the next 3 or 4 years unless you can trade in draft picks from other sides it sounds
1: very much like the nba doesn't it when you yeah. find those clubs in bad positions and that's not what the afl want they don't want sides going 0 and 22 1 and 21 2 and 20 you want you want every side what what's the saying um any side any time anywhere something like that well
0: think with Considering it's only new, you probably have to give the system a few years to settle and then sort of analyse it from there to see if you extend it out. The trading of future picks, I think I think it does add to it um, because you do get clubs that will just trade future second-round picks, banking on them doing better than the team they're trading with. Well, that's what West Coast did with the Suns last year. Yeah, that didn't pan out too well for the Suns, did it? No, it did not. But I... Uh, I like the idea. I'm not sure if I'd like to open up completely and say, look, you can trade your 2023 future first round pick for a particular player or anything like that. But I'd I'd be open to the suggestion of maybe an extra 12 months on top of it. But I I understand why they have got the restrictions of it's only 12 months in advance, purely because, you know, you might get a situation where a new coach does come in and all of a sudden he can't, He's got no draft picks to play with. He's got no one to, to go and sign. So I think that would also make it hard for a club if they were struggling to attract a coach. If they say, "Come to our club," we haven't got anything to give you. though You're not going to be able to bring any new players in. So this is the team that you've got. So I well, think that's it, I where think you it, bring I, free agency. I think, in as that, well. I think it's been brought in so the clubs can protect themselves.
1: Well, yeah, that that seems to be that that seems to be why. Because as I've said three or four times now. You can't have clubs being in terrible states, like almost what Carlton are in now. It that seems almost impossible to pull themselves out of because then you just lose fans and you lose people to the game and, and that's not what you want.
0: All right, so I'll give you one final question. Based on the draft picks that we've seen so far, what team do you think is going to benefit the most from it next, though, in the immediate 12 months? Obviously, the key position players might take a bit more time to develop, of the draft picks here, which team do you think is going to see the most immediate success moving forward in the next 12 months in the 20, 2019 season? Well, um, considering I don't know
1: a lot about these kids, in terms of filling filling needs, um, it's actually hard to go past our two sides, both final sides. So it's... It, in the immediate term it's gonna help it's going to help a, a side in the finals, you would think, or a side that's coming from outside the eight.
0: Looking to push in. Yeah,
1: so you're almost trying to pick the rising star winner. Obviously Jaden Stevenson last year, big example. Came in, thirty something goals, rising star, played in a grand final. So if I'm I'm looking at it, I don't know, maybe maybe Jordan Clark. Maybe let's say Jordan of the, of the players. He might have the biggest... Impact, impact at his club. Yeah. That being said, Adelaide have picks... What do they have? They had nine and 16. Now, there's a side that I can see playing finals next year. And, and they get... The big one is they, they get Crouch back as well. They get Crouch back. And neither of these two kids are key position players. You've got... At nine, they took Chase Chase Jones. You think he'll probably mid. play very early in the season? And Edward, oh Edward Ned McHenry. I like that McHenry. Could you imagine commenting, commentating now? That 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 would be pretty cool. <laughs> Another Geelong Falcons boy. They love their Geelong boys, don't they, they Adelaide? Do. So yeah, he's a midfielder forward. So I presume you know he'd be around the six foot, six one, six two, six three height. So I will um. I'll put the Crows to go back into the Pies position. I don't think they'll play it and they'll make the grand final, but I think if we're talking about immediate impact next year. I think these two kids for their side... Adelaide should have the biggest net benefit for Adelaide, and then I think Jordan Clark might be able to fit fixed Geelong up. They do, although they don't draft a lot of first-round picks when they do, they have a good system. You know, we look at yeah, they Tim don't, Kelly. They don't miss very well. We look at Radicalia. You know, they bring them and develop them in well. So,
0: so I, I like Port. I think what Port's done is they've identified their needs, and it's the same thing. So, um, Connor Rosy will play early on in the season. Uh, you would think he was taken at pick number five, pick twelve. Uh, Zach Butters. I'm I'm a big fan of him. I was uh, I was quietly hoping Sydney would try and find a way to get a second first round pick and snag him. So, um. He's a good pick-up, and he, again, another midfielder, so won't take as much time to develop, um, won't need to put on as much muscle and bulk like one of those key position players. And pick 18, uh, Xavier Dersman, the same thing, half-back midfielder, so I think they've picked up three players inside the first round that uh, physically won't need a lot of work during the preseason to be able to be thrown into the first team, Uh, so... I agree with you. I think think Adelaide's done quite well. Geelong, I think, has got uh, Jordan Clark at a steal. And, yeah, Port Adelaide's probably the other one Uh, for me. I think he's... I think Port Adelaide, yeah, they they picked up a few handy players that could probably squeeze into that side.
1: And it's going to be interesting. I know we've already talked about it a bit, but this Carlton-Adelaide trade will... It might not define, but it'll look at the importance of having a pick, say, in the top five, or whether it's better to have a pick, what they take, well, 19 in effect, and what we presume will be either an early pick in the teens or a late
0: yeah. well, there's, 7, there's 8. So like is it better
1: to get one pick in the top five or have two picks I'd in and around I'd the teens?
0: I'd rather have multiple, because if you look at, like, Carlton's got one in 19 here. Patrick Cripps was pick 13, so he that wasn't... that five was 20. Exactly. So if you, the more you can get, the more likely you are to have a hit. Obviously, the top four or five are generally go on to be pretty good players. But... The more picks you can get, I think, I think the better off you're going to be. All well, right, Guest will On that note, we're, we're going to leave it here. Our next podcast episode, we'll talk about the, the following picks. Uh, we'll talk about how we went in our AFL 9's finals as well and a couple of other topics. But we've managed to keep this one under an hour, right. our first one well under an hour. Kath Newman's just walked back into off the office. we Would you like to bestow on her the award that she's the recipient of?
1: Yes, Kath, Congratulations, you are the Joel Newman winner for uh, the last two weeks at AFL Nines. So, congratulations. Very
0: prestigious. We don't have a trophy, but no,
1: it's the honour that comes with it. It was based on your performance <laughs> last week at fullback, uh, absolutely flawless game, and in particular your kicking out of fullback. I think you set up a couple of coast to coast goals and that, and your leadership as well. Very, very Established well. Established us on a good win. <laughs> we need you back in for next week, please. <laughs>
0: All right, guys, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you soon.